of the Mood Society podcast. I also write copy for Mood. Hello, everyone. I'm Ash or Ashley. I'm also a co-host of the Mood Society podcast, and I help run our social media pages. And today we have a very, very special guest, someone who's very near and dear to our hearts and who's a great mentor to both of us. We have Shane Ballard. Shane, do you want to do a little introduction of yourself? Sure. Uh, My name is Shane Ballard. Um, I'm a costume designer and costume concept illustrator, and I teach uh, costume illustration and computer illustration at Rutgers University in their theater department. Which is how you met us. Yeah. (laughs) I met these wonderful young people, yes. Thanks. They were my students a long time ago. Yeah, a very (laughs) long time ago. So how did you get your start in the industry, Shane? Um, I got my start in the industry in kind of an unconventional way. Uh, I, I, my background was in fashion design, and I took a break from fashion. I was teaching at a therapeutic boarding school in Massachusetts, and the school had a really thriving performing arts program. They used performing arts as like a therapeutic model for a lot of the students. Um, and the, the man who was the head of the department, he, his name is Lonnie McNeil, he was a Broadway veteran. He was a dancer um, in the 70s and, and 80s on Broadway. So he had a really uh, great understanding of the theatrical art form. And while working there, um, they were doing a production of Pippin. And the headmaster of the school said to me one day, he was like, well, you used to work in fashion. Would you be interested in designing costumes for the students? And I jumped at the opportunity. It, it just seemed like a, a really fun thing to do. And I, I really just fell in love with the whole art form. And um, because the school had a lot of money, they were able to create uh, an original musical production and mount it off Broadway. And so I went with the students who were in the production. Um, we lived in the city for a semester and they did the show off Broadway. And that really kind of sealed the deal for me and, and helped me to understand that this was something that I, I wanted to do long term. So what is the job of a costume concept illustrator? A costume concept illustrator, it's its a very unique role on a design team um, because a, a lot of people don't even know that we exist. Uh, basically, my role is to offer visual art support to the costume designer. And, and what that really means is, um, you know, the job of a costume designer is, is kind of twofold. Part of it is creative and artistic, but the larger part of it is organizational and strategic. And a costume concept illustrator what we do is we make the artwork for the costume designer while they're overseeing all of the the big picture things um, that that it it takes to to put on a full production. I think one thing that people don't understand, like particularly in film, if you're watching a film, you know, they're the principal actors, right, that the focus is on, but then often there are hundreds of people in the background, extras, and I don't think people who don't work in entertainment don't understand that all of those extras are dressed too, right? And that the costume designer is responsible for that. So although I think that there is this belief that costume designers just make pretty pictures, they just like sketch these lovely gowns, um, that's just a fraction of what a costume designer does. And so on a larger production, they bring in people like me to take over that artistic part so the designer can look at the big picture. Yeah, definitely. I always feel like the illustrators are the unsung heroes of these productions because we need we a lot of the times we need illustrations, especially costume shops, to be able to fully understand the designer's vision. And that's when illustrators come in, especially since a lot of the time, not every designer 
knows how to draw and they're not extremely proficient about it. So having those actual visuals always helps. <laughs> yeah. And this, the sketches become, you know, they multi-purpose. I mean, there are lots of costume designers who draw beautifully. Um, and then there are some who don't. Uh, but I think what, what an illustrator can really bring to it is, is not just like the practical idea of seeing the, the image, seeing the costume, but also helping to kind of world build and, and get a sense of what the production is going to look like. Quite often the costume sketches are some of the, the first pieces of design artwork that are made for a film or a TV show. Um, and they, they really help to set the tone for the whole production. Um, and they become great for, you know, selling the idea to the director, helping the, the performers to understand the world. Um, so the artwork really becomes sort of like a foundational kind of element to, to the whole production as a whole. That's also one one thing I extremely admire about your work and a lot of other illustrators works like Phil Boutet, being able to change your art style in a way that matches the production or the film that you're working on to yeah. like invoke the environment and the feel that you're going for. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a it's kind of a requirement for the job, yeah. but it's also like one of the more challenging parts of the job. Um, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I've been able to work with two of the same designers multiple times, um, Paul Taswell and Clint Ramos, and I've developed really good relationships with both of them. So now I, I kind of have a sense of what their individual styles are and what they both uh, lean towards. So it's easier for me to, to sometimes land on visuals faster, but um, you know, it's, it's always, it's a relationship, right? And so you really have to learn to listen and pay attention to what a designer says and, and uh, be very sensitive in order to, to uh, communicate what it, to, to translate what it is they're trying to communicate. On this uh, topic, I really wanted to ask you about, you illustrated two films that are these really iconic Black women. So Harriet and Aretha, how did you approach uh, illustrating these very famous figures? And how did you and the designer collaborate on that project? Um, it's interesting when when you are doing illustrations of a historical character that's being played by a specific actor, you're really trying to marry all of these different worlds. Um, and so what we try to do is, is really lean into the historical accuracy of the period and, and the character, but then you also have to wrap that around the talent. Right. So it's it, it sometimes it takes a little time and finessing to, to get the silhouettes right, to get the the um, the talents likeness right. Um, but it really is about like the marriage between um, depicting the historical character as well as the actor portraying the character, because the sketches also help the performers to 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 feel like what the period is going to be like or feel what the clothes are going to be like. Um, and that's, it's been really interesting. A, a lot of big learning experiences for me working in that way, like really trying to make the illustrations feel both like the historical character, but also keeping them authentic to the actor who's portraying them. Yeah. And how has that whole experience with um, illustrating, working with the designer, especially on these productions, how has that changed during this pandemic COVID times that we're living in? Is it more, because I know a lot of the times illustration work like this can be virtual, so you don't need to be there in person, but sometimes you are in there on person. Are you in person a lot less now? How is that working? 
it's really interesting. I mean, it, you know, working as a as an illustrator, it's kind of the it's kind of been like the perfect career for this period because even pre-pandemic, a lot of the work that I did was remote. Um, you know, sometimes the designer is on location; they're like on set, right? Um, and you know, sometimes they're in another state. Um, so I, I was already used to working in this way. Um, and so it really hasn't affected me because we really didn't affect my workflow too much to, to that extent. Um, I, I have, you know, kind of put a pause on my design work, even though I, I designed throughout the pandemic too. Um, you know, I find it, it's a little more challenging doing things that are in person, right? Like that, that's the thing that we've all kind of been contending with. But even some of the design projects that I've worked on, um, you know, a lot was done remotely, like we did fittings remotely. Um, you know, I, I designed a play uh, for the Juilliard School last spring, and all of our fittings were remote fittings, you know, so it's, it's you, you make do, you know, like you just adapt to the new normal. Yeah, I did the early last year, I did when I was designing Lear, we had all virtual fittings, and that was an experience. <laughs> As a costume tech major, that sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it can it can be challenging, but um, you know, once you you understand kind of like how to make it work, um, and you know, so much of the the art form is collaborative too. I think you know that piece is also really important. You know that you trust the people on the other side of the screen, and that you find um, you know common ways to to communicate and and understand each other. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. So your latest movie that you worked on that came out was West Side Story. And you just announced that you're working on the color purple. Yes. So we wanted to know how it has been working on like this new version of a classic West Side Story. And if there's any lessons you'll use from your experience on West Side Story into color purple, because hmm. they're uh, both two classic like yeah. shows. Uh, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's still a little surreal to me, you know, that I was a part of West Side Story um, because it is such an iconic movie and, and um, you know, one of the original was one of my favorite musicals. Um, and once again, I work with Paul Taswell, who's like such a master costume designer. I'm working with Paul is like a master class. Um, he's, he's such a, a detail oriented um, costume designer and he's so, he's such a gentleman. And um, so whenever I work with him, it, it's always like a great learning experience for me. Um, West Side Story was probably my most demanding project. You know, we had re a really tight production schedule, lots of characters, um, you know, and, and while I think one of the biggest challenges as a costume concept illustrator is that you have to do the art fast and it has to be beautiful. <laughs> like so those two things because you know you're you're rendering Maria and you know you know that Steven Spielberg is gonna <laughs> no pressure no, no pressure no, at no all pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all um, but in my case I worked on all the men's clothes um, but but still you know it's it's like just having that understanding that uh, you know this this iconic. Um, legend of a director is going to be looking at your artwork and critiquing your artwork um, already puts pressure on it, but then it, it has to be done fast. Uh, so it was it was stressful, but it did teach me to work quicker. And, and I think every project, um, my pace picks up. And I think like that, that is one of the things that that you, you really start to learn to trust yourself 
more and sort of suspend your perfectionism. Um, you know, I work primarily in Photoshop. So all of the, the illustration that I do predominantly in, in TV and film is digital. Um, so, you know, like you just learn different tricks to get you to the place that you want to get to faster. But also as you work more, your technique gets better and you become faster. Uh, so I think Westside was a real learning curve for me because of the pace. I, I we, we, case in point, like we started off sketching on paper and scanning our sketches in and then sort of, you know, rendering them. But as the pace picked up, I started just like drawing directly into the computer, you know, and that was really the first time, you know, I'm, I'm a traditional illustrator. I draw and I paint, even though I work digitally. Um, but this was like one of the first times that I really had to like lean on the digital artwork um, without sketching freehand and just, you know, bang it out. So um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely a learning curve for me. Yeah, it's definitely a cool experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the I feel like the menswear of the first movie is so iconic. So mm -hmm. it really is a great, uh, like challenge and exciting project to get to uh, work on that type of show where and it's, it's I, I love West Side Story. So. <laughs> and it was really, you know, Paul was really um, intentional about uh, creating a new vision for the movie, you know, um, honoring the original, but but really creating something that felt fresh. Um, so yeah, it was it was super, super exciting to be a part of, of this. And, and, you know, the response to the movie has just been pretty fantastic, too. Yeah, that's awesome. We're <laughs> We're very excited. So, um, okay, what's another? Oh, you, you asked about the color purple. Oh yeah. yeah, just if like there's anything you learned about West Side that you want to take into color purple. Mm. Uh, well, I guess I answered that. Yeah, it, it really is just about like working more efficiently, right? Yeah. Like, like working more effectively and working more efficiently. Yeah. Um, cool. Do you want to ask one? Uh, so we know, we both know, and now everyone's going to learn that you do a lot of not only theater work, but dance work. Yes. What's the difference when designing both? Um, so I, you know, I was, I was telling you both uh, before that I feel really fortunate that, you know, I've been able to kind of direct my career in three different avenues, three different paths. You know, I, I do work as a costume designer, um, but I also work as an illustrator and, and then I teach as well. Um, and uh, they're, they're very different. They're, they're married worlds, but they're also kind of different. Um, uh, and, and I do a lot of design for dance. Um, and, and I think the, the big difference between designing for dance and designing for traditional theater is um, when you're when you're dressing a dancer, like you have to think about like the body being in constant movement. And um, although I do when I when I design for traditional theater, I do think about the full the the body in 360 degrees. That becomes even more uh, important when you're designing for dance, um, because they are literally seen from every angle, and so it becomes even more important for the costume to be beautiful from every from every angle. Um, but the, the other really big key element is movement, right? Um, that they have to be, whether, not every dance costume is made out of spandex, you know, like it's, they're not always in leotards, um, which, you know, we know is, is really easy to move in. Um, so if you're dressed in something woven or, or something that, that doesn't have a lot of st stretch in it, um, you know, just making sure that the dancer has a freedom of movement um, becomes like super critical and can change 
I passed him completely. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, if the dancer is restricted in, in any way. Um, so I actually prefer designing for dance than for theater, which is kind of strange because there are more, more challenges. Um, but I, I, I kind of like that uh, in dance quite often it's, it's, I'm interpreting a world that's more abstract. Um, even, even if there might be like a narrative element to, I work a lot in contemporary dance and uh, performance art. So sometimes there are, there is like a loose narrative, but I feel like I have a greater opportunity to help world build in dance where when you're designing for traditional theater, like there are specific characters set in a specific time. And usually the director has a specific vision. Choreographers quite often have a vision, mm -hmm. but because they don't always speak in visual language, they're not always really clear on how it should look. Where a theater director quite often will have a very specific idea of how they think the show should look. So I love working in dance because it does give me an opportunity to kind of guide a choreographer visually sometimes um, to a place that maybe they weren't even thinking. Uh, yeah, so. Are there any fabrics that you've used when designing for dance that like people would think were really unexpected? Well, we do use a lot of stretch. <laughs> um, but, even, but even when I use wovens, um, because there is, you know, a lot of dance, especially um, in things that are like more performance art or immersive theater, um, where, you know, the dancers are wearing pedestrian clothes, you know, they're wearing just regular clothes, they're not wearing um, stretch or, or specifically dance oriented clothes. Um, and in those cases, I do look for woven fabrics that have some stretch in them. Um, so even, you know, if, if it's a male dancer and he's wearing like a suit, um, if I can find a wool that has a little bit of stretch in it, just that little bit of give um, definitely helps. Yeah, so finding things that have that little bit of give, uh, are that's always part of the plan. For sure. <laughs> has um, a question I have is that we we are both, we both took classes from you. We taught, we, you taught us, uh, how has your design work, your experience in the industry, whether it's fashion or design work or illustration work, how has that impacted, how has that been impacted by your teaching experience and what lessons do you try to bring from the industry to the school and how, what lessons do you try to teach your students? Um, I think... I think so many students have a, a, a sort of whimsical idea of what the industry really is like. You know, they have a very uh, fantastic, you know, a, a fantasy of what it's like to, to work as a, a theater artist. And what I really try to bring into the classroom is not just practical design skills, but to also give students a, a really authentic sense of what it's like to work in the industry. Because as you both have experienced, studying theater and practicing theater can be very different things, even if you have all the skills, right? Because every new job you, you go on, you're dealing with a completely different team, you're living in a completely different world with a completely different aesthetic. And I think um, a lot of young people who, who pursue the theater arts um, have very concrete ideas about what theater is, and it really is usually not at all what they think. 
<laughs> you know, um, for, for example, you know, we have a lot of students who come to the university and they're fixated on a specific historical period. You know, they love the 17th century and, you know, that's all that they want to design. But if you're going to make a living as a costume designer, you have to design all the periods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like a reality check for them. And they realize that they can't just design beautiful gowns. <laughs> Or, you know, a, a lot of um, young designers have very little experience designing for men. And, and that's another learning curve. Um, you know, everybody loves to design a beautiful gown, but how do you find the beauty in a three-piece suit, you know? And, and so I think um, one of the things that I really try to bring into the classroom is, is more of the real world uh, perspective, um, what it's really like to collaborate, what it's really like to work with a challenging director, what it's really like to work with a challenging, a challenging actor, um, you know, just dealing with the, the real challenges that, that one might face as a designer, um, but also helping them to develop their skills. Yeah, I remember all of your classes on menswear. <laughs> you were like very hard on us with the menswear. Yeah, yeah it's it's it's, it's important um, because I think you know, like that is one of the areas that that a lot of young people come into the university not not really having a lot of experience with and being a little resistant because you know people think like men's clothes aren't fun to design, but it's really about like finding the joy, finding the beauty in whatever world and whatever character that you have to design for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely feel like even working here when I write, because we have so much like really fancy suitings and coats that come in, like it's so that types, those types of lessons are so useful to me because when I write fabrics, now I can kind of look at them and picture the suit in my head as opposed to, I think before I started school where like I could picture what a suit looked like, but I didn't have the specific details. Yeah. And that I think was something that you brought a lot to your class. Oh yeah, I I also definitely I definitely have much more appreciation for like the fine details of men's tailoring <laughs> and being able to just know like oh the way that the how many buttons is on that jacket and the lapels and the cut yeah. like, I know what period that's from. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, all of those visual cues they become really important. Um, the other thing that I was uh, I was thinking is, especially now, you know, that we're in the midst of the pandemic, um, I think it's it's really important for for young aspiring designers to think really broadly when it comes to costume design. Um, I think it's really amazing how the two of you have leveraged your costume degrees into this whole world. Um, I think it takes a, a lot of resourcefulness and creativity, you know, um, because so many people, you know, will leave school thinking, oh, I'm a costume designer, what can I do? Um, and we're now in a world where, you know, entertainment is, a lot of it is questionable. Like we don't know what the future of entertainment is, right? And so I think it's, it's calling for young people to be more creative and more thoughtful about if they are studying costume design, what are other ways that I can use this degree? Um, you know, one thing that that I'm I always promote is is understanding the 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 connection between costume and fashion. Um, that you know, even though they're different worlds, they're worlds that kind of feed each other. And so, although you're a costume designer, you may find a career in fashion that suits you. Um, or uh, I know Ashley has worked for a good friend of mine, Chris Abana, um, who is a fashion accessory designer who started. 
uh, designing costumes and his costumes definitely blend costume design and fashion. And I feel, you know, we did um, a pop star project in your class. And yes. so I think, you know, you were kind of prepared to enter that world because you had this, this sense of costume design, not just as a theatrical tool, but also as like a performance tool in pop culture. So um, I think like that's something that I also try to bring to the classroom is, is this idea that yes, you're getting a theater degree, but there are so many different ways. You could go into styling, you could go into wardrobe for TV and film. Like there's so many different ways you can apply the skills. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially with our program, since we covered a lot of different decades, a lot of like different time periods. I know from the little bit that I've been able to work in the fashion industry and dip my toes in, uh, a lot of like that costumey knowledge that we have yeah. is more knowledge than a lot of like fashion degrees have because they don't always teach like historical pieces, but you need to know a lot of those historical pieces because they influence fashion of today. They influence costumes of today. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Ash and I, um, we just did our latest podcast episode on David Bowie, and I know you're a fan as well. And he was definitely one of those people who just bridged fashion and costume really Absolutely. effectively. Yeah, yeah. His, I mean, his whole aesthetic was sort of born around the marriage of costume and, and fashion and how he used um, his looks as a tool to create his identity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, a question for you, where do you start with your creative process? Like what inspires you creatively when you're working on, I mean, a show or a costume design, but also just in general, like what's inspiring you right now in the past, that kind of stuff. Um, film. I watch a lot of movies. Me too. Of, and I've always, I've always been a, a film buff. And I think, I really think that my interest in costume design came from my father's love of film. We watched a lot of old movies together and, and he loved the classic musicals. Um, and I saw a lot of the classic musicals from the 50s and 60s, watching them with my father. And, and I think, you know, like I was saying before, like my, my dad was a performer and my, my mother loved fashion. And so I just really, I think I really started to understand visual storytelling through clothes by watching movies with my dad as a kid. Um, I would watch a movie, like I remember watching Hello, Dolly with Barbara Streisand and then drawing all the costumes like as a kid. Um, so it was like already kind of there. So film, film has always been a huge inspiration to me. Um, and I like all the genres. I, I watch everything. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big sci-fi fantasy geek. Uh, so those those films really do um, resonate with me. But I really love all of, all of them, everything. Um, and music, and, you know, I've always been kind of like a pop culture fanatic too. Um, so like the worlds of like art, music, and fashion, um, I, I really try to stay engaged in all of those areas because I think they all inform each other um, and they all inform costume. So yeah, like movies, um, I love coffee table books, anything visual, uh, you know, nothing outside of the norm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an aesthetic person. I'm a visual person. So it's, it's really, you know, the, the art forms that are around me and people, mm -hmm. um, people really, really inspire me. Um, I think a lot when I'm designing something, uh, 
you know, just paying attention to the way people use clothing as identity to, to sort of uh, define themselves, whether they're conscious of it or not. Um, I love, I'm a people watcher and I'm always paying attention to how people layer things too. You know, like why, I'm wondering like, why did you choose to wear that sweatshirt under that jacket? Or today I was looking out the window and a, a man like walked past my building and he was full on in a short sleeve shirt and shorts and it's 22 degrees outside. But it was fascinating. It was like, where are you coming from and where are you going? I guarantee the Midwest. I guarantee he's a Midwesterner because it as soon as it approaches like below zero, we're like, ooh, it's summer weather. Like, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. So, you know, people, people, films, music. Yeah. What's your life. favorite movie that you've seen recently? Uh, favorite movie that I've seen recently. I've been, I haven't been, I've been watching a lot of shows more than films i'm always watching films but i've been like binge watching tv shows like i'm sure everybody else has and there are two shows on apple tv i'm kind of obsessed with um they're both science fiction shows one is called foundation and the other one is called c and and part of the reason why i love them both is they both have people of color in them they're like people of color living in the future um and and uh foundation in particular like the the main character is a young black woman and and she's brilliant she's like a genius um so i've been watching those two shows and also there's another show that's more like a historical fantasy show called britannia um that i think is really cool too because it 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 sort of merges um historical drama uh, about like the, the Romans um, when they were like taking over large parts of Europe. And, but then there's this whole like mystical fantasy element to it as well. So that those, those three things are, are what have been keeping my attention. I did watch a really cool movie last night uh, called Nightmare Alley. Um, Isn't that Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, uh-huh. Del Toro. It's it's like a film noir kind of mystery, mystical mystery movie, and that was pretty fascinating. I I love things that are unpredictable. Um, I think because I watch so much film, sometimes you know, within like the first hour, I'm like, oh my god, I know it's gonna happen. <laughs> I, I love a TV show or a movie that uh, that trips me up and that I you know takes me in a direction that I wasn't expecting. Guillermo is pretty good at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did an episode on horror movies and we brought up Pan's Labyrinth. And I think it was a huge struggle for me and Ash to just not make the entire episode about Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> so cool. All right. So speaking of, because I know now in the slowly cinema is starting to be more inclusive when it comes to POC and something we're all very excited about. Um but working in the industries that you work in, how has it been being a person of color in a in like a very white dominated industry? Uh, you know, is it that's an interesting question. Um, both of my parents also worked for the government, uh, the federal government, and you know during the fifties, sixties, and seventies um, when segregation was still very much a part of our regular life. And, um, you know, to be Black professional people working for the government, they had to face a lot of hardships. And 
um, they basically raised me to believe that there was nothing that I couldn't do. So I've never entered any sort of professional space feeling limited by my race, although, you know, I've, I have faced challenges, um, but I've never allowed myself to feel victimized by the challenges that I faced. Um, one of the pressures of being a Black creative is sometimes I am the only person of color in the room, um, especially earlier in my career, like that was that was something um, that was really prevalent. Uh, but that has been the case in every industry that I've worked in, whether it was like fashion or, or product development or, or costume design. Um, and that is changing. And that that is really exciting. Um, I've also been really blessed uh, in the last few years to work predominantly with artists of color, um, both you know as an illustrator and as a designer. Um, to work with choreographers and directors who are people of color, as well as uh, costume designers who are people of color, and and um, telling stories about people of color. You know, West Side Story, um, The Color Purple, Harriet, Respect. Um, you know, so I choose not to focus so much on the challenges because they're always there. Um, the 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 thing that I try to do when it comes to facing challenges is to be be very clear about my boundaries, and very clear about communicating my boundaries, um, and that seems to work. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I mean it, it is it is a thing, and I think it's it's something that um, we will always be working towards creating more inclusive. Um, and respectful work environments. But um, I think, you know, for me, um, I'm very clear on what I bring to the table and, and I really rest on my talents and, and just being like a forthright direct person when, I have, when I'm faced with something um, that is difficult uh, in terms of race relations. Can you say what project you worked on was the most rewarding? If you can, and what project was the most frustrating? <laughs> the most rewarding. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, West Side Story. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would say that that has been the most rewarding project that I've worked on um, because the response has, you know, been so amazing. Um, how often do you get to work on a Steven Spielberg film. Um, and, you know, we still, award season is right around the corner. So we don't oh, know yeah. what, what might happen in that realm. Uh, and it was also like the hardest project that that I've, I've worked on. It was probably the project that I, I doubted myself the most on. It was, it's the project that I, you know, there were moments where I was like, can I actually do this? Am I going to pull this off? Um, so I think it was both. It was, it has been both, it was both like the most challenging and the most rewarding. Yeah, that's definitely, I feel like, I feel like all of my projects that were very challenging were always the most yeah. rewarding. Yeah. Like yeah. your class, for example, I am not the best visual artist, but once I got there, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, what I re always respected about you, Cam, is like you just leaped head on into everything. You know? <laughs> um, so many people who who struggle with drawing get nervous and limit themselves. They're 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 so focused on what they think they can't do that they end up not learning as much as 
they could. And you would just say yes to everything and give your all and you got better. So I still do that here. I just proposed something to our CEO. He was like, this is very thorough. I'm like, yeah, I give people too much research. And then you tell me to pull it back. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't changed. But that's just uh, that pop. This is not a question that I sent you, but one that just popped in my mind. Because we all, everyone, I feel like it doesn't matter where you are in the industry, how high up you get. Mm -hmm. Everyone experiences imposter syndrome and feeling like they're not able to to do something, yep. how do you push past that? <laughs> I, I do with Cam. We were just talking about the Cam strategy. You you gotta just jump. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it, you know that that courage you know that you you find because we don't always have it. Um, I always say like every time I get a new project, you know I get the call, you know I get excited, I say yes. And then as soon as I hang up the phone, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> now I have to actually do this. How am I going to pull this up? Um, but I think that that's part of it. And I've seen the that same um, apprehension from designers that I respect. You know, I think it, it's it, it really is just kind of part of the the creative process, especially in theater, because every project is so completely different. Every world is so completely different. Every team is so completely different. You never know what you're, what you're getting yourself into. Um, so, you know, I just keep saying yes. That's, that's really facing the fear. Facing the fear and saying yes and doing my best. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I, I, I'm at the point in my career where I'm like, all I can do is my best. That's it. I can do my best. And, and hopefully that's enough. Um, our industry is it's a very odd thing because theater artists are so passionate and we love what we do so much. But I think that imposter syndrome, it runs rampant in theater. Um, and I don't know why that is, you know, because we all we give so much, right? Um, but uh, if, if the last couple of years have, have taught me anything, um, one, it is like the importance of self-care um, especially in, in an industry that demands so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes just, you know, making the time to be more, more authentic to myself and my needs and recognizing my value have helped me overcome imposter syndrome. You know, I'm getting this call for a reason. They want me on this project for a reason, even though I may have my doubts about what I can bring to it. They wouldn't have called me if they didn't think I would succeed, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, believe it, just believing, starting to believe your own hype, I think uh, can really help you kind of overcome imposter syndrome, but it never goes away. I keep waiting for it to go away. <laughs> I keep waiting. Like one day, one day I'm not, this isn't gonna happen. It just never goes away. I always have that moment where I'm like, can you, can you do this? <laughs> That's so relatable. <laughs> yeah. No. Hundreds are relatable. Um, I think that's a questions that you have. I think that is a very good good note to end on. on Is there anything you want to plug? Um, no, you plugged everything for me. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, What's your your Instagram is Shane Ballard dot design, right? Correct. Yeah. Go follow Shane on Instagram. Shane. Um, depending on if this is going to be a blog post or a YouTube description, anything. 
I'll link your website, your Instagram. I'll put some images of Shane's work up because he is a phenomenal artist and everyone should check him out. And yeah. I think that's about it. Awesome. It was Thank so you so much. Thank you so much. For allowing us to interview <laughs> you and to catch up, Shane. I know. <laughs> I'm so proud of you both. Aw, thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. So learning. Bye. Bye.